All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Collective Conversations. I'm your host, Mike Brewer, and I'm excited about today's episode. Our guest today is helping owners and operators go above and beyond for residents. Super important in today's environment. Plus, he is the host of the very popular multifamily podcast titled The Resident Experience. Nick Latz is Chief Revenue Officer at Zego. Nick, welcome to the show. Mike, thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Nick, can you start out by just telling me, we have both viewers and listeners, we're podcast and video. Uh, just tell them a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Zego. Sure. Um, so as you said, my name is Nick Latz. I'm the CRO over here at, at Zego. And, and what we focus on at Zego is really the resident experience. We've got a mobile first resident experience platform. And so what we focus on is you know, connecting and digitizing the most important resident touch points, really focusing from move in to move out and focus both on the resident side of the equation, but also, you know, property staff, because we view those as two sides of the same, same coin, right? You can't, you can't think about resident interactions without thinking about how that plugs into the property and of course the property staff. Um, and so that's really what we focus on. Awesome. You know, I, as it relates to that, I, I, in doing a little bit of research for our conversation today, I came across the uh, 78 pages of insights <laughs> that, that you put together. And uh, as we had talked about before we got on here, I printed the thing and ran my printer out of ink. But uh, <laughs> I, I found that to be hugely insightful. And I'm just wondering if you could talk us through um, the report is titled the State of uh, Resident Experience Management Report. Uh, we're going to link it up in the show notes so people can get to it. But uh, I know you identified really seven or eight different points. I'm hoping we can just talk through some of those if you don't mind. Yeah, sounds good. I think, you know, at the high level, Mike, one of the key things that came out of the report and, and we surveyed, you know, 600 you know, property operators across all different property types as part of that report and as part of the kind of the fact base around it. But what it really showed loud and clear is that resident expectations um, are changing. And that's being driven by, you know, one resident demographics, where now for the first time, you know, two thirds of residents are millennials or Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And obviously that sort of comes with a certain set of expectations and norms. Um, and the second is, you know, as we've all you know, seen over the last 35 years, the acceleration of, hey, key resident touch points are increasingly going digital, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, communication is more important than it's ever been uh, between residents and staff, and um, and resident satisfaction is is something that's more important than it ever has been, in, in, in our opinion, uh, because of this notion where resident expectations are changing, and um, and and residents are used to different levels and different types of services. Do do you agree that that I mean certainly the youth in our generation have sort of grown up digitally. But not just that generation, but even older generations have now sort of uh, their behaviors have been modified, say, by the Apples of the world, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, the Netflixes of the world. And so do you see the adoption in terms of these touch points where we're, we're digitizing the experience? They're appealing both to the youth in our generation, in addition to kind of a, an, an older guy like me in our, in our uh, world. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, cause I would say, and I'm, I'm curious about your your kind of view, Mike. But as I look at it, right, the the 
the more that we get better at mobile first applications, we realize that better is not necessarily more complicated. Better is not necessarily always more use cases. Better in a lot of ways is simpler, cleaner UI, more intuitive uh, UI. And so I, I look at some of the most you know, popular mobile applications, you know, whether that's you know, an Uber or a Lyft um, or a Postmates, um, and they're very intuitive to use. And I think that actually helps the adoption across, you know, kind of multiple age groups. But what's been what's been your perspective? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, just as a user, I, I think I adopted this sort of stance uh, many, many years ago that if I if I wanted to sort of survive in the world of technology, I would have to be a, a practitioner of that technology, right? And so I, I'm that guy that has, you know, who knows, 60 or 70 apps on my phone at any given time. And I've not gone deep on any of them or in any of them, but I certainly have a, a working understanding. And I, I do agree with you. The ones that the ones that are more intuitive in nature or have ease of use are the ones that get most of my time and attention. Um, and I certainly appreciate them in the sense that they help me get things done uh, much more rapidly, which is important to me in, in terms of time, right? Or giving time back to me for other things. Um, yeah, I so I, as I was reading through that report, I, I found it interesting. And this has been a stat that's been around for a long time. Turnover cost yeah. <laughs> this is, is 4,000 bucks a unit plus minus. I, I imagine you're lumping in marketing, time off market, all those sorts of things in that number. That's is right. That yeah, well, what we look at, and we see that it ranges from $3,500 to $4,000 to turn a unit when someone moves out, as you suggested. And so what we look at is on average, right? And we kind of aggregate it up. And this will differ by portfolio type, and this will differ by market and property. But if you aggregate it all together, it's about $3,500. And that includes things like lost rent. It includes things like concessions, advertising costs. Um, to find new residents, and then the maintenance and repair that actually goes into, you know, turning turning that unit. Yeah, it's a it is a massive cost, and and it's sunk cost, right? You you don't get it back if you don't uh, sort of figure out a way to make that that uh, time uh, either through retention, right, keeping people in the building, or that turn time gets abbreviated so they can get somebody else into the unit, but. Uh, so you you point out in that report there's a there is a difference between sort of an average retention rate I think 58% was cited in the report and the real superstars in the marketplace are at 65%. What is the variable there? Uh, I imagine there's a variable between the the really good retention artists and those that are just average. Yeah, that's right. So so depending on the report, our report showed 58% um, kind of average uh, retention. I, you know, I've seen other industry reports that are in kind of lower 50s, but, you know, call it 50, 55% will be average retention across the industry, you know, across kind of multiple years. Um, and what you see is that the top quartile operators, those operators that really focus on the resident satisfaction, those, those operators that really focus on retention are able, actually able to drive north of 60%. Um, get to 60, 62% retention across our portfolios. And the advantage of that um, is big in terms of dollars and cents, right? Because of, because of what we talked about, that operators that aren't focused on retention, that aren't focused on driving the maximum retention rate are, are leaving dollars on the table. If you think about the math, 
on that, when you think about both the lost revenue, the lost rent, the lost expense, and we just talked about those categories, per 1,000 units, it comes to about $175,000 a year of lost NOI, right? Lost NOI. So about $200,000 lost NOI. So you can multiply that up, right? If you have 2,000 units in your portfolio, it's $400,000. If you have $300,000, uh, it's $600,000. And so there are dollars on the table that... that People are losing. And we often think about, I think in this industry, we often think about, but what if I can bring a resident on at a higher rental rate? Right. Right. And and that's that's certainly true of what we're seeing in the market today, um, as an example. But I always encourage folks to think about, okay, what's what's the break-even period? Right. And so if it costs thirty five hundred dollars to turn a unit and you're able to bring in a new resident, let's say two hundred dollars more a month, let's just say, you know, for for easy math. That still is going to take you 18 months, you know, $3,500 divided by 200 to break even on losing that resident. And that's massive. Oh, oh, it's huge. I was just thinking if you if you put a cap rate to that six or seven or eight hundred thousand dollars, and certainly your multipliers are going to be different. But that it is a huge value to to the community overall. And so, talk to us about how Zigo inserts into this equation uh, such that my imagination tells me you can get higher retention rates, but you can also get higher dollars in those higher retention rates so that the, you know, the cost of moving somebody out and then capturing a margin to move them back in could be on par potentially with a, a resident who chooses to renew because Zigo has enhanced that resident experience. So what is it about Zigo that makes that resident experience uh, better? Yeah, and so what we really focus on from from you know resident experience standpoint is how do we you know how do we help operators and how do we partner with operators to modernize the resident experience and delight residents that you said at the beginning. Um, and so we focus on those resident touch points um, from move in and move out. And we say, hey, how can we offer these in a more modern way? How can we offer these uh, in a more mobile way to drive usage? Um, and what we find from a resident perspective, when you survey residents, we talk to residents is 65% per percent of residents, and this, this is kind of consumers more broadly too, 65% prefer self-service than talking to someone, right? <laughs> 65, if we, we extend that to kind of multifamily, what are the use cases? Well, 65% would rather submit their maintenance request, you know, in their portal or on their mobile device versus going down to the leasing desk and waiting to talk to somebody and having to go, you know, during, during leasing hours, which aren't always kind of convenient. 65% would rather submit their payment digitally or reserve their amenity digitally versus having to call down and talk to someone and leave a message and do that. And so what we find is that when you provide residents with options, digital options, also, and also in-person options, right? We're not saying eliminate the, the, the personal aspect, but when you provide to them with options, they get responses faster and resident satisfaction goes up. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to know when you, when you sat down, I imagine it was you and many other people, you sat down to think about the, call it the, the resident journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then my imagination tells me, you said, Hey, here at these points, this is where technology would actually enhance that user's experience. Kind of talk to us about, I guess the, the genesis moment when you sat down, you're actually around the table deciding which one of those areas of the, the customer journey were most important and where you 
where you thought you could add value at the time. I'm just interested in that process. Yeah. So I think it stems from, hey, there's lots of different um, components of the resident journey, as you talked about. There's right. lots of different components of, of kind of the staff interaction and, and, and how you manage a property from a staff perspective. Um, and so as someone that's you know a software company in the space, you do have to think about and you do have to prioritize. Um, and from from our perspective, it's like, hey, where can we be world class? And so, you know, we started with this notion of, hey, at Zigo, we, we're not, you know, a whole end to end um, software stack. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's there are some players in the space that are right. They say, hey, we're, we're going to do everything from back office accounting, the websites and everything in between. At Zigo, we said, hey, we're going to pick and choose our spots and we're going to be best of breed and we're going to be world class at what we do. And for us, that was starting with the resident life cycle. And then you then you kind of go this notion of kind of jobs to be done or, hey, how do the residents interact with their property? What what are activities that they do every week, every month? Right. And so, you know, let's start there and then let's also start with where there's pain points. Um, and, you know, I think I think, you know, leasing uh, and property tours has been an example of where there's been pain points. Right. You have to come into the property. You have to come to the property when when there's leasing staff that are there that have time to see you and it may not be convenient with when what you want to look well you know look at properties right, right. i think payments uh, there's been friction right when in this industry and it's gotten better over the last couple of years before covid but but you know rewind back a couple of years ago 70 percent of residents were still paying via check it right. was it was the only industry where you know people are still writing a check they might they might have had their checkbook still just to pay their rent they didn't do anything else with it um, and so we started with those touch points that one, people do uh, a good amount and, and two, that there's, you know, kind of been friction or people thought, Hey, there's gotta be a better way. Got it. Excellent. I thank you for, for sharing that. I, I've often thought about this, this resident journey across a sort of a continuum and in the way we sort of approach it from an operator's perspective, where, where do you plug technologies in that? you know, certainly don't frustrate people or add frustration to people, but do address those pain points that you speak about. And and it's always it's always interesting to me because there are so many options out in the marketplace today, you know, with the tsunami of prop tech, it's it's just uh, making landfall or it has been making landfall. So it's and from an operator's perspective, it's been difficult to kind of pick and choose what, what you insert in those areas. But I appreciate you sharing that process with us. One of the other things in the in the report, I uh, I love this term sense of community. And an architect many years ago, I'll make this really brief, but they sort of articulated sense of community to me by way of a, a story. We were designing uh, an experience for a property in downtown St. Louis six different high rises but she referred to it as creating collision points and her specific example is let's not put bike storage on the deck let's rather build a bike room where people will have to come to get their bicycle out of the locker to do some repair work or whatever but that point right there is the collision point that causes that sense of community to to start right i'm going to go see some right. friends right so so talk to us from your perspective about sense of community and how you go about using this platform to create that. Yeah, well, I, th I think we're aligned in, in the sense that it matters, right? And, and yeah. you know, you, you mentioned earlier that it's certainly true is we think a lot about resident retention as a business outcome. 
that we help our customers with and, and, and how do we impact resident satisfaction, resident retention. And one of the biggest drivers, leading indicators of are you going to renew is, um, do you feel like and have a sense of community within your living environment? And Apartment Life did a great piece of research on this. And, and what they found is, and, and they, they showed with, with data and with surveys, that the more friends someone has within the living environment, the more likely they are to renew their lease, right? And it, it, the data shows something like, hey, if, if you just have like no contacts, right? No, you know, no friendships within your building, within your living environment, you're like 30% likely to stay, right? When, you're, when your lease is up. And then every two friends that you add on to that, right? So as one becomes three, you're 10% more likely to renew, right? So if you've got like three friends, now you're 40% likely to renew. If you've got five friends, now you're 50% and so on and so forth. And so they have shown the kind of the correlation statistically between, you know, having meaningful connections in your living environment and renewing. And I think, you know, that, that data shows that, but I think as we step back and kind of think about our own experiences in the industry and our own experiences of being, you know, residents in our lives, I think it intuitively makes sense too. I I 100% agree with that. When when she articulated it the way she did, I thought, wow, that is genius, you know. And it's no matter what the activity is that a resident might want to participate in, it it really is incumbent upon the operator, the property manager, maintenance supervisor, etc., to sort of curate those experiences or give cause for those people to come together, whether it be resident events or the bicycle room or say you're a runner or you're a wine taster or whatever it is yeah. those experiences so yeah yeah and what, what 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 we've seen is that there can be two different you know high level types of these experiences one is that category that you just mentioned where property staff is kind of curating it right maybe it's the the, the summer barbecue right maybe it's right. a property you know pool party uh, but it's but it's curated by the property and then there's another category that we're seeing more of in recent years. And I think some of the technology and, and you know, portals and resident apps are helping to facilitate this, but it's um, events and community that are set up amongst and across the residents themselves. And so that might be something like, Hey, like a, you know, a mommy and me, you know, book club, that might be something like, Hey, I'm going to play, you know, golf across the street, you know, this, this Saturday, does anybody want to come? And so when residents are kind of interacting amongst themselves and engaging amongst themselves, a whole nother category. And when you think about it, that's the category that can really explode because you don't need to curate it from a property staff perspective and you don't need the same amount of kind of time and resources. It's, it's done amongst your residents. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting in the way of, uh, connectors, right? I think if, operators, property managers are astute enough, they'll understand uh, because these these individuals, these residents tend to come into the office more than any other, or they tend to interact with uh, property management office more than others. But those are your connectors and those are your, those are the individuals that you should sort of foster those relationships to create those kind of, I guess, teaser moments where if, if that person is going to play golf, there's a high likelihood they would actually share the fact that they're going to play golf. <laughs> right. That's but, right. So you have to figure That's out a right. way to nurture those. I, I was interested um, in the executive summary of that report. Um, I, I think the last bullet point was something along the lines of how uh, 
property managers in the consumer's uh, communication preference, uh, preferences uh, were not necessarily aligned. And I wonder if you could unpack that for us. Yeah, I think um, one of the the you know, kind of conclusions, as you said, or one of the kind of the the, the data points that that pointed to was, uh, hey, a lot of times properties and property staff will communicate with their residents kind of in one or two ways, right? And that might be some properties that are that are you know going to call and and leave a voicemail and they're going to have everybody's cell phone. Um, you know, there's certainly properties that do it you know by email. There's there's properties that still do kind of the bulletin boards or, you know, leave a note on your door, you know, different properties and different staff members do it different ways. Right. Uh, but what the data shows is, is that residents and consumers don't consume communications in the same way. We all are a little bit different in our preferences. And some of us will respond to text quicker, right? Some of us will respond <laughs> to email. Some of us don't respond to email because we get too much spam. <laughs> uh, some of us want somebody to call us. And, and you know, even if we don't answer, we'll listen to the voicemail and we'll, we'll kind of know the communication. And so the, the key aha there, I think, you know, for me and for some of us at Zigo was, hey, those properties that can understand how different residents like to be communicated with and like, um, like people to reach out to them and how they'll respond and can tailor the communication channel accordingly are going to win from a resident satisfaction standpoint. And they're going to win from a, you know, just getting more response and more timely response. That, that makes sense. So it, it's, um, I'm thinking of if you're, if you're putting out a mass message to say a, con, uh, a resident's consumer base or, or residents in, in general, you almost uh, are able with technology today to sort of, I guess, individualize those messages uh, as it relates to the particular way they like to be communicated with, right? So Sarah in 101, you tick mark a text message because that's like the way she likes to receive messages. Right. And maybe John is email, so he gets a little, is that how that works in, in your world? Yes, exactly. And, and I think, you know, there's technology systems and tools that are enabling this in a better way. Um, I think, you know, you go back five or six years ago, it's impractical, right? And I think there's <laughs> systems now that make it more practical, but it does put the onus on, you know, making sure you have good data on these residents and, and using tools to understand how people like to be communicated with. There are tools now there, you don't have to ask them. I don't, I don't have to say, Mike, we can, right? I think the ideal thing would be, Mike, hey, you're moving into this community. These are the types of communications we're gonna give you. What, what channels would you prefer? And so that's a great one. And then you can even take it one step further, um, which I've seen you know, some people doing, which is kind of using like AI to say, okay, we've communicated with Mike you know, via email, via text. Um, and he responds, you know, to email, but, but never to the text. Right. Right. So yeah, over time it learns what my preference is, or I guess over a few little interactions, it'll figure out what my preference is. And that, that's right. But I think the old fashioned method of, of asking people, you know, still works in this case. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I think to that point, it's, uh, don't underestimate the, the power of, um, you know, that picking up the phone or actually writing a handwritten thank you note or yeah. <laughs> don't underestimate the power of those things. It's be, because there is so much, can, there are so many things competing for your attention these days. It's almost like those things have become the, oh, wow. That's right. right. That's right. It stands out, right? When other people, when everybody else is 
zagging and you can you can zig i, I do think it, it stands out in the crowd for sure definitely well as we sort of wrap here what what would you have our our audience our listeners and, and our viewers know uh, about zigo that we haven't talked about yet and then certainly share where people can find you online or anybody in the zigo organization um, so that we can link that up in the show notes and make sure that we get uh, attention drawn your way yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I think at at Zigo, we are 100% focused on you know, kind of building the premier mobile first resident experience application in the market. And so when it comes to the different resident touch points, you know, we're kind of investing to be kind of, you know, the 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 head of the class, the best of breed kind of options, so to speak, that integrate with your existing property management software and property management um, backends. And really what we focus on um, with our customers are those business outcomes around kind of adoption, right? And, you know, there are there are a bunch of mobile apps that are coming into the space and are in the space um, already. And we, we try to do two things to differentiate. One would be where we're focused from move in, move out, really focused on that. Two would be understanding, hey, what are the use cases and what are the outcomes that you want to drive? And how do we, through our research, how do we, through you know, our base of 5,000 customers, share insights and share best practices? So it's not just, not just giving you an app, we're not just giving a tool, but we're wrapping consulting around that to actually track and drive those outcomes. And then third would be giving you, we spend a lot of time on the insights. Right. So, hey, if, Mike, if your if your business objective is, hey, I want to digitize 65 percent of my work orders or my maintenance requests, you know, one, we're going to give you kind of the tools to see that in, in your team, kind of the tools to see that on a just in time basis. What's the actual usage? How does that differ by property? How does that differ by manager? And we're going to talk through it with you every quarter and say, hey, you're at 30 percent. You want to be at 50 percent. Here's some tips, tricks, examples and other operators to talk to that have gotten there. I, I have to ask, I, uh, before we fully wrap here, I I am deeply, deeply interested in in machine learning and in AI. And, and I'm wondering if that is something that you think about and in, in, is something that would be embedded in, in Zigo at some point where, I, I don't know what the vision of that would ultimately be, but is there, are you adopting that, that I call it technology, maybe it's not referred to as that, but machine learning and AI in your business? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, machine learning and, uh, and AI are becoming, you know, just kind of core parts of, of modern, you know, soft B2B software applications. Right. Uh, I, I think most co software companies are either, you know, using it or thinking about the use cases where it makes sense for them. Uh, I think about for us, we do think about it from a communications perspective, right? And so, hey, we enable different types of resident communication, staff communication through our platform. Um, how do we how do we use AI to kind of determine what people like best? Um, another application where we're, we're kind of using AI and experimenting with these cases would be around kind of self-service questions, right? So what what questions? Why do why do residents call their their property staff? Like, what do they ask? Right. And, and when you dig into it, it's, you know, the 10 questions make up, you know, 80 percent of what people call about. Right. So you can use AI to kind of provide some of those FAQs and those questions in kind of a self-service way. Um, and then, you know, other things like we're big on payments is one of the resident touch points that, that we focus on a lot. 
And uh, from a payments perspective, it's going beyond, hey, how do we just enable digital payments? It's how do we help our customers get to 100% digital payments so they're not having to process checks. And so we're using AI and machine learning to do different A-B testing, which is saying, hey, we send Mike a rent reminder on the 27th versus the 26th versus five days later are you more likely to take action and respond? Because we find that, you know, it differs by the individual, you know, so we can say, hey, Mike likes it on the 27th before because he never likes it to pay late. But Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick only kind of pays attention when he says, hey, you're five days late, you get the late <laughs> fee tomorrow, right? And we can tailor those communications accordingly. <laughs> that, that is, is so fascinating and, and so deeply interesting. And I can see how that would add tremendous value to an to an operator in terms of almost in a predictive sort of way right you can you can start to hone in on <laughs> actually people who are pay pay late habitually you you'll know it through the technology and potentially be able to kind of help them be create better habits right 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 for themselves and and then, and then the third one that I'll mention, which I think is is super interesting and will will be super helpful um, to operators and owners once we once the industry gets it dialed in, and we're working on it. Um, we've got a release coming out, you know, in 2022, um, and there's some other vendors working on it as well. But hey, what are the leading indicators that will say whether a resident's going to renew or not? Right. Ooh, yeah. And it might be things like, hey, have they gone to any community events? It might be things like. Um, have they had maintenance issues or not? And how did they score those maintenance interactions? It may be things like, do they pay on time or do they pay late? But kind of collecting those variables and then letting the, the algorithms and machine learning do their things to say, hey, the likelihood this person's going to renew is 65% versus 20%. And then you can imagine the implications, right? Because it gives you a jump start on, on replacing and, and filling those units. That, that just, it just brought to mind for me, I, um, so I, I spent a little bit of time with equity residential prior to, you know, prior life in who knows, let's, let's say it was 15, 16 years ago. We had a version of that. So let's call it an analog version of that, where we would actually sit around as a team on a Friday and we'd go through every single resident and we'd have all these paper reports <laughs> to all the things you just mentioned, all these paper reports where we would try to sort of predict, right? And yeah. there, there was no science to it. We just, right. yeah. I mean, we had things as sort of nuanced as that resident has a garden on their balcony and it's like fully baked, right? It's fully grown <laughs> yeah. and that's worth something. That's going to yeah. be a lot to move, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that factored into our analog, right? <laughs> yeah. So. That's, that's funny. And we've, we've, when we talk to lease, leasing agents and kind of do primary research around this, like, hey, is it helpful? Do you have it dialed in? We do hear like, man, like sometimes I have an idea, but a lot of times I have no idea. And I'm, I'm so surprised. And the person that I was convinced was going to move out because no one knows them. They stay there. They never come out. You know, you know, five days before, you know, uh, the renewals do they they do it right, and they, it's just kind of the randomness. I think everybody wants at least a hypothesis, and and knowing that the hypothesis, you know, isn't true every time. Yeah, that that's one hundred percent right. I just I just had a, a something come to mind where we'd have drones flying around and scanning sort of proximity of apartment and 
plants on apartment balconies <laughs> or grills or whatever, and then feeding that data into our algorithm. That that that, uh, that garden one that's not in the current you know working draft of our algorithm now. So maybe we'll maybe we'll add that in. Thanks for that tip. Yeah, we'll do that. Nick, Nick, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Where where can people find you online or any kind of direct uh, contact information you want to put out for people? And uh, we'll make sure that we not only see it in the video, but we'll uh, we'll link it up in the show notes as well. Yeah, so our, our website is gozigo, www.gozigo.com. Um, we're on LinkedIn under Zigo powered by Paylease. We're on Instagram under Zigo uh, powered by Paylease. And that's that's the best place to interact with us. Excellent. Thank you so much, Nick. And uh, for everybody else, thank you for tuning in today or uh, listening to the podcast. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.